fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, on this 4th of July weekend, I'm figuring that if you're lucky, you're out there thinking about grilling something or cooking something outside. I have a couple of guests today who are experts on this topic. My first guest, Chef David Olson, is a nationally recognized American Culinary Federation chef, television personality and social network influencer, award-winning recipe developer, live fire grill master, international adventurer, and creator behind Live Fire Republic. Chef Olson is going to let us know about his creation, Live Fire Republic, and how to get the most out of these expensive proteins by how to cook a whole barbecue chicken on a gas or charcoal grill that stays juicy and not dry. My second guest is Chef Joseph Lynn, owner of J.C. Holdway in Knoxville, Tennessee, and winner in the past of Best Chef Southeast by the James Beard Foundation. Joseph loves to fish, especially fly fishing for trout. He's going to let us know how he likes to cook a trout on an open fire in the woods. Also, about his annual ramp hunt and cook that he does with Alan and Sharon Benton. Thank you so much for tuning in today by podcast or radio. I really appreciate your good company. Thank you. I met Chef Olson at the National Cornbread Festival back in April when he was the MC for the day when I, along with eight other people, judged the cook-off contest. Chef Olson makes his home in Michigan and travels all over the world. He and his wife have some cute little kids I had the pleasure of meeting, and he's just the nicest guy. So let's join Chef Olson now and hear about this thing he created, Live Fire Republic. Now we know each other, but for people that are listening and don't know you, what is it that you do and your name, where you're from, and all that good stuff? Well, first, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about doing this. This is a lot of fun. My name is Chef David Olson. I am an adventure culinarian uh, focusing in live fire cooking and experiential live fire cooking events. I travel the world and have an opportunity to, to cook for people 
from one continent to the next, and I've you know I've been doing this for quite some time. Um, folks can find me at LiveFireRepublic.com and LiveFireRepublic on more sources of social media than I probably feel comfortable. Now, live fire cooking. There is a difference between cooking outdoors and cooking over live fire. So, when I think about cooking outdoors, cooking outdoors could represent um, cooking on a campfire. It could represent cooking on your barbecue uh, grill. It could represent cooking on a pellet smoker, for example. So I would create a distinction between cooking on, for example, like a pellet smoker or a gas grill mm-hmm. versus the idea of harvesting wood and seasoning wood and cooking on wood or cooking on hard lump charcoal mm-hmm. versus those alternatives of cooking on a maybe a fuel source like like gasoline or a fuel source like pellets. So a distinction between the two. Live fire cooking for chefs, many believe is the highest art form and uh, degree of mastery as it relates to cooking. Because you're not only dealing with you know, time and temperature and ambient conditions, but you're now dealing with um, you know, a source of fuel and heat that is almost uh, unique every time that you create it. So you're always working with a, a, the fire, a different fire every single time you cook. And um, it's that art, it's that challenge, that that mastery of the art of cooking that I, I really love the most. I imagine that that is something that makes you have to really think on your feet. Well, it does. It makes you have to pivot all the time. And I'll give you <laughs> an example. And this is, I share this, I think there's so many life lessons that you acquire over a period of time that you apply into your cooking. And, you know, one of those lessons I've learned is, is being able to pivot, being able to think on your feet, being able to allow the circumstances that you're within to not affect your emotion but affect your decision making right and so you're always having to think and pivot and do so very quickly and and live fire cooking demands that do you have a main go-to yeah no good question so like uh let me think about things we really love to cook so it's different because we when we cook at home my my daughters love burgers i mean we could do burgers seven days a week, and I'm telling you, like that's what we—that's what they love to do. My wife loves we do ribs at home, right? Oh, I bet. Or pulled pork, or something along those lines. For my television work or for travel, my favorite thing to cook is the thing that I've never cooked before, and I love the challenge of figuring out something new. And it's the one thing that I tell people all the time because people get set into rhythms, you know, like us at home. For holidays, we just had my daughter's birthday. My two-year-old had her birthday, and everyone wants burgers. And I'm like, oh, not burgers again, you know? <laughs> and uh, But everyone loves it. But I think people get set into habits, and because they get set into habits, they don't try new things because they're like, oh, what if I don't make it the right way, right? Mm-hmm. What if I mess it up? And it's like, I can tell anyone that's listening, I have messed up more in my life cooking things than you have ever succeeded on one or two things. Period, done, end of story. And um, I say that uh, not arrogantly or anything along those lines just very confidently saying that get out there and try new things but be willing to fail kind of in that process and be willing to (laughs) make a mistake but that's where the real fun in the process comes is kind of learning through your experience it is very true we met a fellow kevin sanders who does the barrels for um jack daniels and he was saying the same thing he says the experimentation is where we learn yeah and that's and that's all my experience so the the last 15 years where I've, I've really learned the most is I've cooked on every continent but Antarctica. 
Wow. And so a big goal of mine, before this is all said and done, and God willing, you know, that I have the longevity and the resources to do so, but I will cook there at one point. And yeah. we're going to do it on fire in Antarctica. That being said, I think that you've got to kind of humble yourself and try to learn from others around you. There's plenty of good resources now that were never available when I first started doing this. Mm-hmm. Was getting out and going and working with chefs and working with home cooks and working with We've even been into the Amazon rainforest, learning from people who are cooking with fire for thousands of years before us in the Sahara Desert. We were chasing camels through the arugula fields and learning from the the Berbers who were cooking there for just generations before us from learning from these people how they're using fire to control texture and taste and a contrast in the food into beautiful things these people do. But that's been my real passion is getting out and learning from others in different cultures and learning the way they use fire uh, to just create the most beautiful food in, in the way that affects what we do here today. So, How did you get into live fire cooking? Oh, good question. I well, think that's a long... Yeah, that's, it's a, probably, a, I'll make it as short as possible, but I think for most of us, some of our earliest memories in our lifetime happens to be around, it's almost always around food, right? Mm-hmm. And for many of us, it's that smell and essence of maybe a Kingsford charcoal with lighter fluid and that backyard with, with you know dad or grandpa or something along those lines. And in my household, it was always burning those burgers to a crisp and they're hard enough to clank around on a table, you know? Our earliest senses around food, I've always had a passion for following that, right? So I went to school on an art degree. I left with a business degree, terrible decision. I'm just kidding, it was a good decision. But I learned a lot in that process. My entree into doing more sorts of uh, what I do today started with a, a, a branded relationship that I developed through an early blog I wrote called A Bachelor and His Grill. And it no longer exists. A Bachelor and His Grill does, does not any longer exist. But about six months in, the CMO of a very large uh, manufacturing appliance manufacturing company based in Atlanta, uh, in the Atlanta area, reached out and said, hey, we love what you do. Um, we'd love to have you develop content for our website. So it was like almost ghostwriting content for this website. And over a period of growing the blog and doing this work, it turned into doing a television, a bit of television work, and then it turned into doing a series with the Weather Channel, which was awesome. And then that turned into working with Michelin-starred chefs on weekends. So I was doing my normal regular day job, boring regular day job, and then on Friday night, it flapped to some ridiculous Michelin-starred restaurant, host this event with hundreds of media and famous people, and like I go back on Monday to my regular boring day job. <laughs> you know, I was leading like these two crazy different lives for so long. <laughs> it eventually just turned into now this being what I have an opportunity to do. So um, life's weird the way that it works, you know. But I've just I've told everyone just just triple down on yourself, bet on yourself, follow your passions. There's something, there's talents we all have. Just triple down on that, follow that. And we now just have a, a fortunate way to, my wife and daughter and a couple rooms down here to integrate family and friends and meet new people and do exciting things. And it's not bad. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Our first guest is Chef David Olson, creator behind Live Fire Republic. In the second part of this interview, Chef Olson will impart some grilling wisdom on how to get the most out of these expensive proteins, how to cook barbecue chicken on a gas or charcoal grill or open fire that stays juicy and not dry. 
always try to pull a recipe out of everybody. Is there a cooking technique or secret that you could impart yes. to our listeners? So I'll share with folks an idea for a recipe, and I'll share um, folks a bulletproof way to make the very best barbecue chicken. And probably one of the most, I think, commonly ill-prepared pieces of protein is chicken. It's among the most commonly prepared proteins. Um, we're now getting a point to you know our economy. It's difficult for a lot of people to purchase proteins, and we think twice about purchasing proteins now because they are so expensive. Mm-hmm, they are. I'm talking a lot. I mean, I think it's fair that we talk openly, you know, about the cost of inflation as it relates to food. And if we can help people with ideas to simply prepare those proteins, those investments they make much better. I think folks are really interested in that. So, mm-hmm. if folks are going to be barbecuing, whether it's over an open fire or whether it's in their own gas grill, the secret to great chicken is what's called a two-zone fire. And so imagine when you walk up to your grill, whether it's a propane grill, it's you know a charcoal grill, we'll start with a gas grill. Walk up to your gas grill and you'll notice you have a, a few different knobs that you can turn on and off that supply heat. What I tell folks is only turn on half of the grill, only turn half of it on, right? And so with my chicken, what I'll do is I'll season it simply. So I think about kosher salt, coarsely ground black peppercorn, and if you can find it, roasted granulated garlic. Um, you can find granulated garlic in just about every store, but I'm sure if you go to you know any online retailer, um, any Google search per se or Amazon search, you can probably find roasted granulated garlic, and it just adds a, another level of flavor to your garlic. So olive oil, uh, SPG, and I have half my grill on, half off, and you'll probably be somewhere in the range of 350 to 400 degrees on that grill grate. I start my chicken and sear it for about three to four minutes aside over the direct, highly heated grill grates. Now the problem with chicken is people usually put it on cold and they only cook it over the direct heat until it's finished. And the result of that, because you have to heat the exterior of the chicken to have the interior at an appropriate temperature to serve so you're not killing your guests, (laughs) Um, people only cook it over that fire and they flip it and flip it and it's dry as a bone by the time it's served, right? So here's the key. Gas grill, half the grill on, half of it off. Chicken, well seasoned, you lose 30 to 40% of your seasoning to the grill grate and the fire every time you cook. So well seasoned when you're grilling. You're going to lose 30 to 40% of it. It might feel unnatural to season it as heavily as you do when it goes on the grill. Seasonal extra. Uh, You're going to be about four to five to six minutes per side over the direct heat of the highly heated grill grates. As soon as that's done, move the chicken over to the indirect, more coolly heated grill grates. And now what you have is uh, just what they do in restaurants. You have a sear and roast component to your outdoor cooking. You can accomplish the same thing with a charcoal grill by building up your charcoal in you know, like a, a, a charcoal chimney starter, dump it all in one half of the grill once it's ashed over, leave the other side with no charcoal, and now you have a sear and roast section. Mm. For searing the key is, leave the grill lid off. For the roast section, close the lid until it's finished and only prepare it until it's about two degrees to the desired internal temperature. Let the carryover cooking, once it's done, finish the work. So that would be what's called a two-zone method of preparing chicken. And you can do the same thing with drumsticks, with wings, with chicken breasts. You can do a half or a whole chicken, and you can do it in the same exact method. 
Chef Olson, you have just imparted such good wisdom. I'm gonna use that. It's oh, it's amazing. And every time, I'll tell you guys, every time the chicken comes out juicy and beautiful. I'm so glad to know that. Yeah, it's great. It is quite an investment in protein anymore. So thank you for helping us to make it better. You bet. And then for those that love to barbecue their chicken, and I talk about barbecue being like a barbecue sauce, uh-huh. don't apply the sauce until the sauce gets over the, don't apply the sauce to the chicken until it gets over the indirectly heated grill grates, right? Oh. Um, those sugars uh, tend to be a bit acrid if mm-hmm. they burn too hardly over the direct heat. Mm-hmm. and um, is they caramelize slowly over that indirect heat. They uh, really develop a beautiful flavor that you would not have had otherwise in whatever sauce you're using. So direct, indirect, use your sauce to finish and just let the grill do its work. Easy breezy. What good info. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Chef Olson, Live Fire Republic. And again, um, LiveFireRepublic.com? LiveFireRepublic.com. We're launching a brand new website. We have two very large film projects underway right now that I'm so excited about. One I can't share because it'll premiere on television in 2023. Uh, The other, we have almost 100 episodes that we've been contracted to launch on YouTube this year. It's so crazy, but we're uh, traveling across the globe in the most beautiful, desolate locations you've ever seen preparing elevated culinary over live fire. So all of that's coming. It's on the way. We have a, having fun and working hard. So thank you. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. Today, our first guest has been Chef David Olson. Chef Olson is a nationally recognized American Culinary Federation chef, television personality, social media influencer, award-winning recipe developer, live fire grill master, international adventurer, and creator behind Live Fire Republic. More information on Chef Olson's work, livefirerepublic.com. And on that site, Chef Olson has pictures of his food along with recipes. I've also included a link to Live Fire Republic in the podcast notes at tennesseefarmtable.com. Also a picture of he and I. And a note, Live Fire Republic does not advertise on this show. If you enjoy listening to the show, I would really appreciate it if you'd tell just one person this upcoming week about it. The Tennessee Farm Table podcast is found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and almost all those platforms by searching TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook by searching Tennessee Farm Table. I'd love to connect with you and swap some stories or recipes or just say hello and let me know where you're listening from. Next up is Chef Joseph Lynn, Knoxville resident and owner of J.C. Holdway in Knoxville, Tennessee, winner in the past of Best Chef Southeast by the James Beard Foundation. Joseph loves to fish, especially fly fishing for trout, and he is going to let us know how he cooks a trout on an open fire in the woods, and then about his annual ramp hunt and cook that he likes to do with Alan and Sharon Benton. That's Alan Benton of Benton Smoky Mountain Country Hams down in Madisonville, Tennessee. I remember once you saying that would be a really fun thing to record and do, go fishing uh, and cook that trout over the fire. I mean, my husband and I, we love going trout fishing. We usually catch and release, but 
I do want to go camping and I do want to be able to cook one over the fire and I don't really have any idea how long you cook it or if you wrap it in aluminum foil. How do you do it? Do you mind to tell us? No, not at all. So um, we actually kind of did something like this with Sean for Mind of a Chef when we were filming that. Um, we went and caught some fish and we're cooking it over fire. So um, it didn't make it to the show, but it was one of my favorite things we did. Um, but you know, if you're if you're out there and you know catch the fish and have a fire going, they don't take long to cook, especially because you know trout fillet is pretty skinny unless you catch a giant. Uh, Mine are but, all very small. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, for me, you know what I typically do is I'll just you know split them where they're butterflied, um, and kind of uh, it's almost like I think of how um, some of these pitmasters cook a pig. They'll start them you know um, skin side up and then flip them and then that fat from you know the skin of the pig will almost so like confit the, the pork so to speak which is just cooking it slowly in its own fat mm -hmm. where I'll kind of do the same thing with the fish and actually start it on the flesh side and then flip it over on that skin and let that skin kind of protect it and then also kind of crisp up um, and then you know if if, if it doesn't crisp up, you can, it just kind of pulls right away from, from the skin, and it's just so delicious that way. But I'm kind of, in my older age, I'm kind of would be a glamper, I guess, these days, if you will, but uh, <laughs> where I could kind of just pull up and, and camp easily. Um, car camp. Yeah, car camp, uh, you know, kind of like you can do at Elkmont and some of those other sites. Pull up and camp kind of thing. Just because my time's limited, but you know, anyway, all kidding aside, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been able, fortunate enough to cook a couple of fish over open fire, but um, yeah, I, I just, I'll, you know, I, when I joke about the glamping, like I'll still bring some of the conveniences of home, like a lemon, um, some salt and pepper, and maybe like a little grater that I can grate some of that lemon and maybe some good olive oil and that's really all I really need so you know I'll pack a little travel size bottle of say olive oil and just you know pour a little that over there season it with some salt and pepper and as it finishes maybe just grate a little lemon zest mm -hmm. over it and it, it doesn't get much better than that so um, that's kind of how I found myself if I'm cooking outdoors I'll, I'll bring a tool with me that just can enhance that experience just a little bit and it can be just as something as simple as like you know just a little grater to grate that lemon zest and then you know I'll we've got these little what we call delis at the restaurant so I'll pack a couple of those up with some lemons or whatever in there and just have some of you know my favorite things that you know are easy to you know car camp with and where you can just you know season it simply with you know just some simple kosher sea salt and black pepper and you know it doesn't require you know a bunch of stuff and so that's kind of my, my simple way of, of of cooking and I find myself cooking more things simply like that at home if I'm you know I, I live downtown now so I don't have some of my fun toys like I had at my house before like a green egg so that's at my parents house so I get to use it there now and um, if I want to cook over some fire but um, when you're cooking that fish over that fire, do you are you cooking it in a pan or over a grate or what? Just on a grate, you, oh, know, okay. you know. I'll I'll bring you know a couple bricks or you know or you know if you're in the mountains, you just put a couple stones just to kind of keep it level. And I'll just take it like a travel grate with me and just okay. put that down. And 
you know, get it hot and, um, you know, we kind of let the fire burn down until it's like embers. And okay. so, you know, if, even if, you know, you've got a separate fire, we'll shovel out just some of the coals. You know, one of my favorite things to do with Alan Benton is we'll go do this ramp hunting in, in the spring around April and we do it pretty much annually. Unfortunately, last year we didn't do it, but I'll bring just the grate because uh, one year I was like, I'm just going to grill some of these ramps and because he and Sharon will be out there cooking bacon and ham and they've got all this grease that they, you know, cook the ramps and the potatoes with. And I said, so one time just, I was like, I don't have a bowl, but we got newspaper. So I sat there, poured some of that bacon and uh, country ham fat all over these ramps, and just seasoned with salt, cooked them over the open fire like they do with these onions in Spain. And so I remember just doing that, just laying them out on that newspaper and we were just sitting around eating those now and goes, that may be the best ramp I've ever had in my life. And I said, ah, oh, you're just being nice. He said, nope, and I've had a lot of ramps. And so, <laughs> but I said, well, that's your that's your bacon fat working magic right there, buddy. And so- That is a secret weapon. Um, but, you know, it's it's amazing what a little bit of good fat, some salt and some fire will, will can create. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's one of my favorite things that I look forward to in the spring. And we always joke, he's like, we need to do this where you go catch some trout and we have it with this. And so, oh, yeah. um, it's inspired some dishes along the way. Um, just that ramp punt. I do additions spring with pork, potatoes, um, and ramps. And it's really an ode to Alan Benton and that meal that we share in the springtime. And, we get together with uh, some really great friends and it is probably uh, it's kind of like spring's here we're going on a ramp hunt and um i mean there's been years we've gone and there's been snow still on the mountain when we go but yes. um, we go to north carolina and um it, it's it's a good time but my, one of my favorite things is he said you know everybody says this is so good but he goes i really think everybody's just so tired from tromping up and down the mountain that they're hungry and would eat anything and he goes he said, I could cook just about anything and you'd probably love it at this point. But, and, I, and I said, I disagree. It's, it's, it's probably, if I had to pick, you know, everybody says, you know, what would you have if you could have a last meal? And that's, that's pretty close to being one of them is mm -hmm. Sharon and him cooking, you know, country ham, bacon, potatoes and ramps. It's, mm. it's pretty tasty. And that moment when everybody's sitting on a cooler or a camping chair around a fire and just it's dead silent because everybody's loving what they're eating um it doesn't get much better than that you are listening to the tennessee farm table and today our second guest has been chef joseph lynn a knoxville resident and owner of jc holdway in knoxville tennessee he is winner in the past of Best Chef Southeast by the James Beard Foundation, and Joseph loves to fish, especially fly fishing for trout, and he let us know how he cooks his trout on an open fire in the woods, and about that annual ramp hunt and cook he likes to do annually with Alan and Sharon Benton. I've placed a link to Joseph's restaurant, J.C. Holdway, named after his Uncle Joe, on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. And a note, J.C. Holdway and Benton's Smoky Mountain Country Hams do not advertise on this show. This is Chef David Olson of Live Fire Republic, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. 
Last month, my husband and I went over to Spruce Pine, North Carolina to try to do a little fishing. I was able to take a walk for some exercise, and I heard the most beautiful birds singing. And if you're listening and you're unable to get outside or stuck in the house, maybe you might like to hear these beautiful birds singing. And if you're all worried, maybe these beautiful birds will put you at ease. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.